Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King, and you're listening to the Photography Podcast dedicated to getting you out there on an adventure of your own. I know that all of you have full-time jobs, full-time families, but you bought that camera for a reason. So pack your gear, grab your camera, get out there, get a flat tire. It's time for a Photog Adventure of your own. It's episode 158, and I am stoked to come to you a day early because of a very special guest. If you've already read the note on the top of this podcast or you saw the title, you know that Aaron Bobnick is joining me here shortly. And this is all thanks to Brian Hansen of Create Photography Retreat. If you are one of those who signed up for the Create Photography Retreat, but then because of COVID, you couldn't make it, or because of COVID shrinking down the numbers of 60 that we're allowed to have in person out there in, in Greenville, well, now you and me, we have a virtual summit that we can hang out with. I'm going to announce more about that here in a minute, but first, before we get into that, before I have Erin Bobnick on, I want to gush a little bit. I'll probably gush about her here in a second anyway, but she is absolutely my favorite landscape photographer. I love her work. I love her quality of work. She is, as I will probably say soon, the best at making composition great from frame to frame, top to bottom. She is magnificent. I love her work and I am excited to be able to hang out with her here shortly. And so to begin this, I'd like to announce that the keynote speaker for the Create Photography Virtual Summit will be Aaron Bobnick. I have been a huge fan of Aaron Bobnick for many years. In fact, of my top five landscape photography images, two of them are Aaron Bobnick's, and I can't get anything to replace them. One's from Death Valley called entitled Aerodynamic, and the other is my first ever favorite. My introduction to really pulling in a hyper foreground and making it look like a ghost forever, and it's her flowers for miles out there at the Dolomiti. Oh, I just love these two images. Absolutely love Aaron Bobnick, and to have her join us as the keynote speaker for the virtual summit has got me so excited, and so I'm glad to have right now join me from Slovenia, Aaron Bobnick. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Aaron. I gotcha. <laughs> it's so <laughs> Really nice having the same names, right? I know. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Aaron. <laughs> uh, maybe my bias is just because you have my first name. Maybe it has nothing to do with your awesome <laughs> photography. <laughs> I just love myself so much. So Aaron joins me right now, and she will be speaking on October 2nd at the Virtual Summit. If you guys don't know about it, there's a link down below. Check out the link or just go to createphotographyretreat.com forward slash virtual summit, all one word. Click down there, and if you do decide to join us, please use the Bob Nick discount code. You'll get $50 off. Just go through the through the cart and add in the discount code, all lowercase Bob Nick, and you can get $50 off. So Aaron, you're going to present for us and give us an instruction on uh, what was the title of your keynote that you mentioned to me already? The seven virtues of a creative landscape photographer. And without giving away the best parts of that, what would be the the pitch for what's awesome about that keynote? Uh, well, you know what? Let me just summarize it and why I love doing this one. It's basically a way for me to put together everything that I think is super important that I, and that I hold dear about landscape photography. So it gives me an ability to kind of take a cross section of all of the things that I think go into being able to produce consistently um, rewarding work. You know, personally rewarding work on a consistent basis and and people really get a lot out of it you know it's it's the one way that i can just say here is like everything that i think uh is is really um is what i have noticed in my friends who put out consistently awesome work um they seem to have these 
these virtues in common, you know, and it's all the stuff that I think tends to work for me whenever I feel as though I'm doing work that I love. So it's my chance to share all of that with everybody. Awesome. Is that going to include basic things to like tick off the boxes when you're there in person? I should make sure I do this and this. Are there going to be some elements of process that I need to remember to do? Or is it going to be included only in post? What are these going to cover? Oh, no, no, no. It's actually more so uh, field oriented Mm. advice, but it plays out in the processing too. And just in general, uh, background stuff that everything from educating yourself and reading and all of that all the way through your ultimate presentation of a photograph. I, I, by, by everything, I meant everything. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know? Okay, Everything sweet. that can go into it. You guys join us for the virtual summit. It'll be Friday, October 2nd, the 3rd on Saturday, and the 4th. So we have three straight days. Great instructors. We have Jeff Harmon, Alan Wallace, Jordan Yance, Michael Binsky, Jenna Martin, Connor Hibbs, Neil Fisher, Greg Benz, Michael Shamblum, and yes, because I organized it, I made sure that I could teach too. So Aaron King will also be teaching. So you'll get a bit of landscape photography, portrait photography, storm chasing photography, real estate photography, underwater portrait photography, wildlife photography, working with Lumenzia and light and luminosity masks, as well as time-lapse photography with Michael Shamblum and Michael Binsky. So we are going to have a ton of awesome instruction on top of right after the kickoff from Aaron Bobnick's keynote. Uh, we're going to try and keep holding that quality all the way through throughout the weekend. So if you guys do join us and you want to join us out there, make sure you use the discount code. Bobnick, B-A-B-N-I-K, last name, lowercase, all lowercase, and you'll get uh, the discount of $50 off of it. So I can't say enough how stoked we are to have you, Aaron. There's a bit of fanboyness in me when I talk to you about everything. Those images that I mentioned earlier are an example of one of your great releases, and I think well-known, I believe it is, that you don't often release every image. You have a quality, a threshold that you must reach before you release your images. Are those um, seven virtues, are those obvious in your releases that make it to the release stage? Are you going to probably say, when I do those things, my images almost always or usually come out to be worthy of a release? I think that's fair fair to say that usually when something makes it that far, I can look back and say, yeah, it, it ticks those seven boxes pretty well. But <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, what also what really makes it for me, uh, that's kind of maybe a little bit distinct from the, the way I boil things down in those seven uh, virtues is when I have an image that I feel as though, um, really is telling a story that is unique to me, that's, that's more likely than not going to make it into my portfolio. Whereas when I make an image that I think, well, that's really a a compelling photograph. Uh, Most people would be quite happy to throw that out onto social media. That's just not enough. That doesn't, (laughs) you know, that doesn't make it, doesn't make the cut for me. So um, I'm, I'm a bit odd in that way that I have a whole lot of stuff that I, I think they're pretty pictures. I like them. I had fun making them. But they don't go much further than, you know, I might use them in an article or a talk or something like that, but they don't end up in the portfolio and they may never end up on social media either. Well, that I think is a very smart way to take it. And I also think that those virtues are really going to help her and others I'm thinking of in my mind right now that have said that thing to me. And they can look at those virtues and try and, okay, I can emulate that. 
that's attainable and we'll see where my photography goes. I think that's going to be hugely inspiring and it's going to help a ton of people with that. So I can't wait to hear it. Well, I'm looking forward to doing it. It's a fun one and it's always been extremely well received. It's a, it's a real crowd pleaser. Sweet. I am lucky that I get to be there. I hope that all of you will join me there. Go to createphotographyretreat.com forward slash virtual summit. The link is in the show notes down below. If you if you saw this on Facebook, the link is there. If you saw this on Instagram, the link is in there. Uh, you can click on it in my profile on Instagram or you can just go ahead and find it by Google searching Virtual Summit Creative Retreat. So, Aaron, before we go into my questions for you about that element of how do you find the best image, I want to talk to you about your recent adventures. This year has been, everyone knows it's been a pain to actually do photography this year. And in some ways, going out and doing photography is one of the things that we're actually allowed to do. So, can you <laughs> share with us any cool adventures you've had recently? Have you had any success this year? Oh, uh, well, you know, recently I actually have spent most of my time recovering from not having a home because I lost it in a fire. So uh, oh, that man. that in itself was something of an adventure, but I don't think that's what you had in mind. So you started out the 2020 <laughs> complete harbinger of death and doom with I'm homeless. <laughs> you started but, uh, out homeless. But, well, I did actually start out 2020 with, with an absolute bang. I did all kinds of cool stuff. I did uh, something like six workshops before oh, wow. the pandemic fully kicked in and there was lockdown and all of that. And I had quite some adventures in there, one of which was during winter in the middle of February um, that really stands out to me. So when you said a recent adventure, I thought, well, that that, that for me is pretty recent. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, sadly, um, in October, well, we're not October yet, we're September, but the most recent adventure was February. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been out shooting, but uh, yeah, it's been pretty mellow, to be honest. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see how it turns out. Hopefully we'll have more adventures as, as the, the year progresses. Oh, man. But... And rooting for 2021 to be just a complete polar opposite of 2020. Yeah, we all. <laughs> but, you know, it started out great. I had a fantastic start to the year. And the, the, the adventure that I, that I thought of when you said adventure, I, you know, to me, that's a high bar. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, I guess I can have an adventure just going out and uh, doing something kind of mellow, but, um, <laughs> one, one of my, uh, no, two of my workshops in February, um, had the almost similar, such similar conditions that I, I may be kind of blending two outings into one, but <laughs> yeah. anyway, um, we do a snowmobile, snowmobile trip as part of my winter Dolomites, um, workshop. And this one, I, I think it was the second of the two sessions that I did, um, uh, they had forecast very high winds for this morning that we were going to be doing the snowmobiles. And I was consulting with, I have a, an assistant who works with me in Italy, basically mostly on logistics. She doesn't join me in the field, but she does a lot of sort of, she, she's there on call for me in case anything during the workshop needs to get rearranged really quickly because of weather, that kind of thing. So gotcha, that's cool. Yeah, it helps because um, I'm I'm pretty remote and she's there and so she can do things, uh, you know, that take time. You just, I guess, <laughs> check in with her do. throughout the day where you have a little cell signal. I mean, how do you communicate yeah, with her? Yeah, I, so no, remote? I need to have a signal, but then she can, you know, do more than I can. Gotcha. So, um so I was consulting with her and also the guy who owns the snowmobiles and the, can we even do this? Cause the winds were predicted to be crazy gale force and it was really hairy. And the, uh, the night before, finally, we just said, well, let's just plan on it. Let's just plan that we're going to do it. And so that morning, um, 
it, we, we went for it. We got on the snowmobiles and it was howling. The wind was nuts, <laughs> but it, it was okay. Like we could, we could go <laughs> oh, so man. far though. It was really a beautiful ride in that it looked like, you know, we were definitely breaking trail with these snowmobiles because <laughs> there was so much snow. So it was really hard going on the snowmobiles to oh, get through wow. all of that. And we were going very, very high, thousands of feet up. So it was steep and it was deep and that Ooh. was really hard on the motors and the engines. So we didn't even make it all the way to the top where I normally take people. And instead we had to get off a little bit below that and walk the rest of the way. So it already was an adventure at that point. That's gotta <laughs> be an got awesome workshop though, to have a chance to go up in these pristine areas, but by virtue yeah. of the snowmobile and not a very lengthy, yep. exhausting yep. hike. Oh, no, nope. there's no, awesome. it's a no hiking workshop, my, my winter dawn nights. So we, we didn't, we did have to walk a little bit, but I mean, only maybe a hundred feet up. It wasn't too bad. Uh, so no, not even that probably like 50 feet of elevation gain. Okay. Maybe. So it wasn't, wasn't much at all. Um, but the snowmobile, snowmobiles just couldn't make that last little bit. So we, we get up there and there's actually a refuge hut up there where there's a winter room. The hut was closed, but there's a winter room that's always open. And you can just duck in there and kind of take shelter from the wind mm, if you okay. want to. And this was so crazy that pretty much everyone wanted to do. You know, we were we were <laughs> we were shooting like snipers. We would duck into the winter room and then go back out and fire off some shots, get back in the winter room. Woo, that was crazy. Go back out. So we did that for a while. And then finally, about half of the group decided that they would follow me down to this area um, in the photo that that I was showing you a little earlier, uh, which is just below the refuge hut. And where I was like, well, we, we can shoot wider there and get some cool foregrounds with the Sestrigi. And so about half of them were willing to venture away from the winter room <laughs> to try that out. <laughs> I mean, let's, so you're talking about such bad winds that maybe some of them were thinking, I'm not sure I want to go out there. Were, they, were you thinking your tripod could even hold the camera very oh, long? You, the tripods were useless. This oh, was, was not tripod weather. <laughs> tripods. I mean, people were trying to use them, but it's mostly like you're clinging onto the tripod so you don't blow away kind of thing. Oh, yeah, man. Um, that's an adventure yeah. absolutely meets the top <laughs> bar of adventure <laughs> so they were loving it though i mean this was everybody's favorite outing at the end of the whole thing you know we got back you know to our comfy four-star hotel after this and everyone was like <laughs> i had one guy even just say like i could leave the workshop right now and i got my money's worth like that oh. was amazing <laughs> but anyway so we get down to this lower level um and where we can go shoot wide stuff and uh and I literally am in this like trough <laughs> where I just saw these re this really cool ledge and that's in the foreground of this image. And the snow is just swirling around in that underneath that ledge and, and um, oh just it was insane. And so I'm down now. So what you're not seeing in that photo is that that same action was coming over that ridge to the right, too. And I was taking it in the face hard. <laughs> you're being <laughs> so snowblowed in, in your face like, while you're looking yeah, at this. <laughs> oh and so when I came away from that, I had a on the whole right side of my face, I had like a. Um, 
like a windburn rash <laughs> and everything on that side of my face was just encased in ice and snow and the left side the other side was all good it was just normal <laughs> Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> it was pretty funny oh but yeah gosh. so that was that was quite an adventure it was super fun did everyone come with you around this spot because if you guys know you guys know in the link down below in the show notes i've got a link to her image here it's reverie and it's over on aaronbobnick.com and just looking at the foreground and seeing that swirl, were you trying to share with the whole group? Was everyone in a different location or were you all hunkered around this one spot trying to capture? No, they were, um, the others were good probably. There was one guy maybe 30 feet to my left, another guy maybe another 50 feet out from him to the left. We were pretty spread out because everybody wanted their own sastrugi, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and this particular one, they were also a little more protected where they were. So I was just in you were it. out in the <laughs> elements getting this shot. Nobody wanted to do that, <laughs> except for me uh, being crazy. So I, I, I went right in my... down in it. <laughs> I love it when an image makes you do something like this. I was waist deep in the water at Cannon Beach trying to get some great waves, and I came out, and some guy's like, you must be taking this pretty seriously. I'm like, was I? I didn't even realize that I was just out there because I could. And it looks like you're in this situation where you're getting beaten down. Like a snowplow <laughs> is going right next to you and pelting your face. When you're doing something like that and pull off an image that is so well balanced like this, that's when we know that you're a superstar, Aaron. I mean, gosh dang. I mean, this is incredible. If you guys are looking at this right now, you're seeing already the incredibly strong elements of this image. I am shocked that you handheld this hyper foreground right here. Yep. What did you so do? That's focus stacked too. You're kidding. So I was going to say, kidding. of course I'll you didn't focus stack it, but you did. Yep. Wow. It's not easy. I mean, uh, uh, and that, you know, <laughs> even I remember sitting there thinking, this is nuts. This is probably a complete waste of time. I am not going <laughs> to get anything out of this. Why am I even doing this? Because it's oh fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, well, you know what? I, I, I'm braving this for this long. I may as well try to get the the front part sharp too. <laughs> so I just yeah. kept at it and kept different focal uh, points, different focus points until I finally had, I, I probably took 50 shots and then selected out three that okay. I could put together, gotcha. you know, that were actually sharp and that and everything <laughs> I needed. Did yeah. you capture the swirl of the snow that's right in the center of the foreground doing that awesome shape? Was that just yeah. one image or did you have that come through with there, a few? No, there are quite a few, but that was one where it wasn't a complete mess where you could see it a little better. Gotcha. So in some of them, it was just like this big white blob in the I can imagine. <laughs> the, yeah. Did you capture the motion or did you let it blur a little bit? Is this a little bit longer exposure? I, didn't even have to do anything. It was going so fast. Oh it's gosh. blurring all on its own. That's yeah. amazing. And all handheld. So you were able to just go for a nice sharp image as sharp as you can being handheld and still had that much motion showing up in your shot. Yep. <laughs> I mean, the, I've forgotten what um, they said. The it, it was like 60 mile per hour winds or something insane like that. You know, it was <laughs> crazy fast. That's why you don't give up, guys, when you were thinking, okay, I'm about to go out. Maybe not. This weather looks pretty crazy. Don't give up. Go anyway. <laughs> you could have something that you'll never get again. I mean, okay, I have a workshop with Aaron Bobnick next year. I can't wait to take this picture. No, that's not going to be possible. I'll never find that <laughs> shelf of snow that's shaped right. in just the right way that give all the really neat lines going forward in the center. And then that swirl of snow. I mean, 
I probably will never see something like this in my entire life. That's actually a piece of advice that I give people before every workshop. I was like, that that shot of mine that you saw that made you want to come here and you want that shot, <laughs> um, Murphy's Law will, will, will not let you have it. So you have to put that out of your mind right now. Drop all the expectations because what you're probably going to come away with is something even better that you like even more because it's yours. I like so we work on that, that, you know? And I always point to Aaron Bobnick's photography when I talk to people about having a composition that includes quality from edge to edge of your frame, from bottom to the top, right to the left. She really knows how to make the best of everything that's in her frame. And so this one right here is a great example of just being completely clean, completely clean, and the focus is on all the right parts of the image and the way that your eye moves up from the swirl in the center right into what ends up being intersected with a dark shadowy section. Then going back to, we haven't even talked about it, the Dolomiti with the, sh with the bright snow, the highlights on the left, and then just where all the dynamic lights coming through the clouds. I mean, that in itself, without even seeing the foreground, is already a great shot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I actually, from the week before this was shooting just that because <laughs> we, uh, it gets really good light, uh, and my, this time of year in, in the winter. Um, uh, but this day we had all the mist and the action in addition oh. and really awesome clouds all around. That's why landscape photographers want bad weather guys. That's why you don't want perfectly <laughs> clear. Cause I mean that facade of rock, that face is beautiful with the light on it, but to have the atmosphere that the clouds are giving it and the little blues and grays and whites that are sticking through the opening of the clouds, it's just gorgeous, such a gorgeous Thanks. shot. And so if you go out with an Aaron Bobnick workshop, you will not capture this shot. You will get something maybe even better because it's your own, but you will have a chance to learn from a master in making the most of your image from frame to frame, edge to edge. I absolutely adore how awesome your images are from bottom and top. It's oh, fantastic. And just to, just to continue that point, like, you know, there are some places that where I can kind of set people up with something a lot more predictable where they can kind of replicate what awesome. I did. And I, and I totally believe in doing that and giving people a mixture of, of stuff that where they can just see what I did and what decisions I made. Why was my tripod this high? Why was I set up right here and not 10 feet that way? You know, because <laughs> they learn a lot from that, but invariably they will get that shot that they thought of so much and they wanted, and then they keep going, you know, and they find that other shot that they like just as much or more because, you know, they, they worked for it and they figured it out themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. And how often, Aaron, have you taken a shot and turned out and like, oh, yeah, that was fantastic. But you never, maybe during the capture of that shot, you weren't paying attention to what was in the corner. Or are you always particular about checking your corners? Oh, I'm, I am very particular about that. Yeah, I mean, for years, you learn that the hard way uh, many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, once you have been, you know, doing it for a really long time, um, I, you know, I go on border patrol in the camera for sure. I'm always looking for things. <laughs> border patrol. <laughs> and if, and if I can't, if I, if there's just no way to save the composition and keep the thing out of the corner, then I'm looking for ways to shoot something so that I can patch over that in post or whatever. Mm, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. So when you're out there on the snow bank and you're looking for an interesting foreground subject, when what amounts to just all white with dimples and different hills. Did you see this 
this little shelf of snow and think absolutely that's the money shot or was it something that took you going over how did it come about where you found this yeah i well i loved the the snow action swirling around underneath the shelf and just the the carved shape of the shelf was a very strong form. So there was a lot, there were a lot of really interesting sistrugi, but the first ones that I walked up to, I pointed them out to my participants. This is typically how it goes is I'll find something really cool, but it's not my photo that matters at that point. You yeah, know, when exactly. I'm teaching a workshop, it's about them. So I usually will show it to them and if they want to do it, it's theirs. And then I move on. And if everybody's <laughs> set up and happy, then I look for something else. So then I kept going further to the right and found this this spot. And I was like, well, that's really cool, too. I don't think anyone else would even want to shoot this because it was so exposed and so gnarly. But I was having a great time with it. <laughs> and it turned out awesome. I want to emphasize for people that decision-making process. And so I'm going to ask you a few questions, Aaron, before we end this. Um, like I mentioned in the beginning, People will come up and say things, you know, in a little bit of despair that they feel like they're not as high quality as they want to be. And it's because they'll look at someone else's image and go, oh, that's such a good image. Why aren't my images that great? So I want to ask you something about the frame of thought, the school of thought on how often do your images turn out great in the capture and you know it? Or do you have images that you look at and go, that's okay. I can fix it in post. What are your thoughts on the fix it in post processing mentality? Um, well, I, you know, the, to me, that's that question sets up kind of a false premise that there's a separation between field and post because I just don't shoot that way. I shoot with post in mind, right? Mm. So to me, these things are not separable. So if I, if I, when I approach a scene and I'm thinking, you know, what, what is it about it that I really like? And, and this is how I need to do that. And yet there's this one thing that I don't like about it. Like I said earlier, then I'm looking for what can I shoot to, in addition I to kind it. of to change that later on, or even just when it comes down to like a focus stack or something, you know, you have to think that through in the field. You have to know at that point that that's what you want to do. You know, oh, well, the problem here is if I try to get that in my shot and the mountain, I have to give up focus on one of the two. <laughs> Maybe I don't want that. You know, not every shot needs to be sharp front to back. But if that's we think that the, the image would benefit from it, then you have to be thinking it in, a, in advance. I can do that. I can fix that if I take enough shots. So sometimes, you know, I'll be, let's say you're in a field of beautiful meadow of flowers and everything's perfect, but there's that one little dirt patch in the grass, like <laughs> kind of near the flowers, you know, and I'll, I often say to people, well, you could clone over that, but then you've got a repetition of, of grass that's inside your shot, you know, yeah, you'll or you can just step, take one step to the left, shoot that grass next door and patch them in later. You know, so I'm, I'm always thinking about these kinds of things. It's so it's not that I'm fixing it in post, I'm creating it, you know, and, oh, right and I'm doing everything that's necessary to make that piece of art that I want to make. For all that I've just said, if you haven't really thought it through, the chances are you're there's nothing you can do. It, you know, up to a point, yeah, you can put lipstick on a pig, but you know, <laughs> if you don't have the the good input, you don't have the good output. So, yeah, I mean, the way I think about it is, if you've cre if 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 in the end, because you know, creativity is a messy place. And so some, sometimes the ideas are coming in the, in the processing process, you know, oh, you know, what if I really darkened that or I really brought out that color or whatever. Mm. 
Um, and you have to allow for that part of the process too. But if in the end you've come up with something that you really love, then you did nothing wrong. It doesn't matter where those decisions were made, whether it happened <laughs> right. a lot in post or a lot in the field or whatever, you succeeded. If on the other hand, <laughs> you end up with a photo that, you know, doesn't quite work or, you know, you're not crazy about it or, you know, you're having to make excuses for it, <laughs> then something went wrong. And it probably was something in the field, um, you know, it is possible to ruin a shot and post very much so, but <laughs> the worst case scenario for those situations for me is in during workshops, when people are standing literally on top of each other, one guy takes a picture here, another person takes a picture here and goes, I like his more. How do you deal with that? How do you help someone who's so, who's in that situation? What do you tell them to do? Well, I mean, if they've already taken the picture, then at that point, it's let's unpack this. What is it that you don't like about yours and what's different about his? You know, if we're in the review process, which we do image reviews in my workshops, um, that can be really instructive, you know, and it helps if you can put a finger on what is it that that, you know, person who was two steps forward got that you didn't. <laughs> and and if, you know, if you learn something from that next time you're out, your chances are you're, you're going to produce something better next time. And I hope that everyone's caught on to some of the tips that have just come through this. When Aaron was talking about this shape, you called it an Italian word. Was sestrugi? What is this? Yeah, sestrugi is the name for the carved, wind-carved snow. And so if you're out there with the sestrugi in mind and you're already planning on, okay, I am going to capture this plus the Dolomiti in the background, you've already got yourself a mission, a, quote, a quest, and then you start figuring out which one of these is best. That can be intangible on which one is best. Do you have any tips on how you know, I know I want these set of flowers leading up to this hill, but which set of flowers is best? What do you tell people? Well, yeah, I firstly, I, I, I usually start off my workshops with a composition seminar. And one of the things that I emphasize in that is, is structure, basically. Look for the forms that support your idea, that support the story, and to give it some kind of structure. So if you see some flowers that are arranged such that they echo something in the background, that they, um, you know, do a good job of leading you into the background, any of that, that's probably going to be better than the, the one that just happens to be the biggest, brightest flower, you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Um, it stands out pretty obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm usually looking, looking for the structure. So with Sestrugi, you know, some of them, um, they might be interesting, but they, they're not catching the light very well. So the structure doesn't stand out. So you're, you're looking for the ones that are going to play their role in, in the image. And if their role is a supporting one, which is to get the eye to go somewhere else, how well do they do that? Hmm. Interesting. Yes. And as you're looking for a supporting role, do you look for elements on every third in elements leading up? Is it just depending on how the structure around you is going? Yeah, well, you have to you have to ask yourself, what what is it? What is the compositional pattern of the image? So I've written a couple of articles about compositional patterns. There are those that are hierarchical and the, there are those that are are uh, less so. So I have two, those are how those two articles broke down. So if you have a hierarchy 
That's basically what most people would call having a subject in your image, right? So that's standard compositional advice. You have a subject and everything else is in support of it. It either gestures to it, it leads to it, it echoes it. In some way, it sets up the viewer to find it and mm. it doesn't compete with it. Gotcha. Right? So, you know, and then, so you start with that. What is the thing? <laughs> that's in your hierarchical thing. What is the thing and how do I put stuff in support of the thing? Um, <laughs> you know, and then if, um, if you're working in sort of a pattern-based composition, and that tends to be a lot of abstracts, uh, where you don't want there to be a focal point, basically you want the eye to revel in the fact that there's this beautiful all-over pattern, and within that there's all this wonderful variation. That's how a lot of abstracts tend to work. Um, then you have to ask yourself, well, how can I find an area of this, whatever this pattern is, where it isn't disturbed by something? Where something doesn't scream out, look at me, I'm the thing, you know, yeah. because you don't want that. When everyone is thinking about their own images, and I'm talking to you who are listening right now, I hope that you who I met recently is listening to this too, and you know who you are, as well as others that I have met in the past. So often, you'll find yourself loving your image right there on the in the moment, and you'll know that this one's standing out. I've had many, many images that I haven't gone back to post-process yet because they didn't inspire me right there that they're, they're amazing. It, it's my best and my favorite images that I've released and told people about or shared have been awesome from that night that I captured it right on into post-processing. And post-processing was almost easy because, oh yeah, this thing is already strong. It's already great with what I'm wanting. I just need to make sure I don't ruin that. And if you're in a situation with landscape photography, a little bit less so than Milky Way photography, but you might think about it too this way. When you're there, you think, okay, am I capturing that foreground well enough? Do I need to do something like a focus stack, a different exposure, try and get a different um, shape in here? Or even like she said, take a step off to the right, capture the grasses here so that you can use them in your post-processing if you need to. Keep those things in mind when you're there. And if you're trying to capture everything in your camera in one exposure, that's a different challenge than doing this other element in post-processing. Just know that some images are gonna work out great, and some images are going to not be able to be fixed in post-processing. It's not something that you change. It's all in camera. So be there, be aware of what you're capturing in that moment and make the most of it. And if you have to focus stack, focal blend, if you have to do an exposure blend, if you're gonna capture your foreground in a Milky Way, that's gonna be a long one minute and then capture the sky, make sure you think about it. Okay, is this gonna to be too crazy of a dynamic to connect them together? A dark sky plus a really bright foreground. What can I do to minimize that? be in the moment enjoy it and know that if you come home look at it on your post-processing and you think oh that turned out great for him and my shot is just not that same sometimes it's nothing that you can do there's nothing that you can master purchase practice in post-processing that's going to change that image you just need to go out there and capture it again just capture <laughs> yeah. it again i mean that is true unfortunately <laughs> that's the hard truth there are there are those shots that you know they just don't work in the end you know you just didn't you yeah. didn't quite nail it um, but then there are also those shots where it's still interesting. There's something there. And I would encourage people to at least see what can be done because that's how you learn post-processing. So it's not by processing the easy shots that are basically done for you by nature. <laughs> right. And it's so much all on camera that there's very little you have to do. 
those are just a cakewalk. You know, oh, right. you don't learn anything with that. You need a good practice bat. You need something that's really hard to swing, right? <laughs> so uh, those those problem childs, you know, problem children shots, take those into Photoshop and, and try it out. Just and in, but but be willing to let go, you know. But you can learn a lot just by seeing what is possible and what isn't possible with the really challenging ones. And guys, if you really want to learn more from Aaron Bobnick and the seven virtues of what makes a landscape photographer, uh, what was the last part of that line? Seven virtues of a landscape photographer and a creative, <laughs> seven virtues of a creative landscape photographer. of a creative landscape photographer. If you <laughs> yeah. want to learn that from her? Come join us in the virtual summit. And if you already, if if you haven't taken the time to go and read her composition articles, they can find all of these at AaronBobnick.com. Correct? Yeah, that's right. Where could they yeah, go? They, that, the easiest way to find the articles is if you go under my workshops uh, menu at the top, uh, there's a workshop reading list. Oh. And that's where I put the ones that are of most interest to um, students. Sweet. I'll go ahead and put a link to that in the, po in the podcast notes down below, too, so you all can find this quickly. Because one of the best teachers in landscape photography and one of my favorite landscape photographers is Aaron Bobnick. So I'm stoked to have you guys learn from her. And you will learn a lot. And you will find yourself making some incredible images if you practice what she teaches. So thank you so much, Aaron, for taking time with us. What's your next workshop that has availabilities that people need to know about? That's a tough one because I've canceled most of them <laughs> for 2020. I still have a couple that I haven't actually opened for registration and I'm, I'm going back and forth on whether or not I'm going to do them, but I, I think I can, I will only do them if I can do them really safely. So I've got, um, Death Valley coming up in November and I think I've got that one all sorted and ready to go on that one. Right and on. then I just have to open it <laughs> for registration. And then, um, uh, and then winter Dolomites again, will be, will be next after that. And you guys can get out there on a snowmobile in that winter Dolomite run. That's right. Oh, good times. Man, I might have to just buy that. If I can just have enough money to do it, <laughs> I will, because that would be a trip. Thank you so much again, Aaron. I really appreciate you. We're so excited to have you out there for the virtual summit, and it's going to be really fun learning from you again. Um, everyone, thank Aaron Bobnick by going out to all of her work, making comments on her posts, sharing them with your friends. And if you have a photo club that you're a part of, give all of them links to Aaron Bobnick's website and let them see her work reverie or the ones that i love the aerodynamic or the flowers with flowers for miles those images can teach you everything you need to know about solid quality composition love it thank you so much aaron oh you're very kind thanks very much to you aaron so thanks all everyone if you there's nothing else you practice it's just getting out there have an adventure of your own i know with covid19 it has been more difficult but one of the safest things you can do is socially distant yourself from everyone else and get out there with your camera and do some photography so get out there and have an adventure of your own and i hope that you'll practice some really sweet techniques that aaron bobnick has talked about with us today absolutely and i hope that you'll join us at the summit yes please Please go there, createphotographyretreat.com forward slash virtual summit. And I have a cat that is really hungry. And it's 9 o'clock is when she gets fed. And so she is hanging out wanting to play. She's like, hey, I exist. Feed me. I, I booted my cat out of the room before we started. But now I'm regretting it because you look like you're having so much fun cuddling your cat. I was regretting not booting him out and shutting the door. <laughs>